Well, let me just stop and say thank you so much for being here today. Um, we're so glad you're here. And if you would, as we get ready to jump into our study, in your bulletin, you'll find one of our study guides. If you'll reach and grab it. Also, feel free to grab a clipboard and a pen from the book racks in front of you. And let's get into our discussion. Today, we're talking about overwhelming fear that is itself overwhelmed. So we're talking about overwhelming the overwhelming fear that's in our lives. We're talking about taking the teeth or the sting out of fear. We're talking about taking its control away from us. Such an important issue, such an important matter, and how timely it is for the events that are taking place, not only in our nation, but around our world. Proverbs chapter 3 is where we'll find ourselves. Look at these verses. You'll see them at the top of your study guide. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 25 and 26. It says, Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. There are three thoughts that I want to draw out of this real quickly this morning. And uh, I think it will take us to that place to where we understand how to take the sting out of fear. How to take the control of fear away from our lives, okay? We have to begin by looking, number one, at the problem. Okay, he's very clear when he's telling us about the problem here in these two verses. The problem is obviously fear. It's a very real problem. It's a problem that we know is going to strike every one of us. He tells us in this verse, don't be afraid of it when it comes. In other words, you're not going to be shielded. You're not going to be protected. Sometimes we have this glamorous thought that because we're children of God, we're not going to face problems. We're not going to face difficulties. We're not going to have trials and tribulations. No fear will ever enter our lives. And the truth is you don't have to be a child of God very long to understand that there's nothing to that. That's not real. That's not life. And so he draws us to an understanding that there is a big problem looming. This problem is fear. And it's, it's not just for people who live on the other side of the church walls. It's for those of us inside the church walls as well, isn't it? This fear is real. He spells it out in a couple of ways. Now certainly I believe that he could have easily brought every fear imaginable into this scenario. But what he does instead is just gives us two incidences or two cases of fear <clears throat> that are overwhelming in our lives. And if we're not careful, it will paralyze us. And he says, first of all, don't be afraid of the sudden terror. Sudden terror. Sudden terror. Now, sudden terror means that which is unexpected, such as what people in Houston found. They were expecting the hurricane to come through, last a few days, lose power for a while, but then everything was going to be back to normal. And what took place was something so far beyond their imaginations, they didn't see it coming. We can bring it a little bit closer to home when we talk about earthquakes that occur in the area and it shakes people out of their beds. This fear of what might happen. Those on the West Coast face this far more frequently. Maybe they become adjusted to it, although I can't imagine how you could. We could bring it even closer to home when we begin to talk about the tornadoes that are striking. I can remember as a child never hearing of a tornado in Tennessee. 
And maybe we were just sheltered. Maybe we just didn't have enough news going around. I don't know. But we just didn't see those things when I was a kid. And now it's not too uncommon to hear the little sound go off on your phone warning you that it's a possibility. And if you've ever lived through a tornado, if you've ever been close to one, you know the terror that it strikes into your heart. When the big tornado swept through Ringgold and through Ottawa and Appison and Collegedale and did so much damage, so many people uh, were, were injured and so many people lost their lives in that. I was working with the sheriff's office and we would go into the neighborhoods and try to evacuate people when the tornado was coming. And I can remember for weeks after a sheer panic would sweep over me when I thought about it. I can remember the fear. It was so real in my life. Waking up in the middle of the night with sweats over what we had experienced. These things are so real and the fear is so real. But he doesn't stop there. He now takes us to the wicked. And he says, don't be afraid of what's coming from the wicked. There are those we know that their intentions are not good toward us. We know that there are places in Chattanooga we don't go after dark. We know there are places in Chattanooga we don't go. The only people that are there are those who have to be because they live there. Those who are part of the, the problem. And those who are going in to protect the rest of us, the police officers. I wouldn't want to be in any of their shoes. And he says that there are those who, who have this ill intent toward you. They want to harm you to get what you have. And he takes this maybe a little step further when we consider that there are others who would fit into this category that, that maybe they're not going to physically harm you, but they're going to do everything they can to bring you down, to destroy your, your testimony, to destroy your business, to destroy your bank account. Because if they can accomplish that, then they get to possess what you have. At least that's their thought. And if we allow ourselves to think about this along with the other things that could fit into the equation with ISIS and, and the other things around the world that are so mean and so vile and so eager to shed blood, we could be devastated by this fear. I mean, it could literally paralyze us. It could overwhelm us. So the fear is real. Fear is real. There's a big problem. But I'm so grateful that God doesn't leave us with a problem. Okay, here's the problem. Now figure out what you're going to do with it. But God, number two, your next fill-in, gives us the solution. God gives us the solution. Now, while this particular set of verses is very comforting in a lot of ways, they're also confusing in this one way. And confusing because we're human, our perspective is not that of God's. We, we see things differently than God does. And so there's a little bit of confusion built into these verses. Let me share with you what I'm talking about. Because in our mindset, at least in mine, maybe you don't think like I do. I hope you don't in some ways. But, but in my mind, I see this as being this big, huge problem. 
this big, huge uh, uh, doctrinal issue, and therefore this this solution is going to be so complicated. Man, there's going to be step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, step six, step seven, step eight, and on and on and on. It just never ends. If you're going to prevent the problem, if you're going to take the sting out of fear, then all of these things have got to fall into it. And in my mind, that's the mind of God. He's so big and he's so great. This has got to be his plan. When actually what we find in these verses is confusing to me because it's so simplistic. What does he say the solution is? Do not be afraid. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, this fear is so huge, it's so overwhelming, and your solution is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. To think about this particular thought, do not be afraid, we have to bring it to an understanding of what he's telling us. Because the reality is that while it looks to be a command, it's actually a promise. God is giving to us a promise here in this verse. We'll, get, we'll deal with the promise a little bit more, but he's sharing us a promise in the manner of, of a command so that it packs a little more punch, a little more authority. So what he's saying is, I'm, I'm giving you the opportunity to enjoy a lack of fear, and at the same time, I'm commanding you not to be afraid. So there's a duty attached, a responsibility attached, but then there's also the privilege. And we look at this problem, and we know it's real because we've experienced it. And we look at the solution and we say, you got to give me a little more than that. <laughs> yeah, I'm human. I've got these issues with trust. And, and uh, so you got to share a little bit more with me than that. I, I, just can't, I just can't do that. I would love to be one that could just do that, but I just can't. So, so share with me a little bit more. And I'm so grateful. God doesn't leave us with a problem and a solution without giving us a basis for the solution. Number three, the basis. You see, the basis is very important. Because if I base this solution on something that is insignificant or is unable to change me or to help me in time of need, then all of a sudden I'm basing it on something that's faulty that will never stand the test of time. But if, on the other hand, I base it, my foundation is something that is lasting, that is permanent, that never changes, that always follows through on promises, and all of a sudden, the solution has a little more grip over my life. And what is the solution? What is the basis of the solution? He says, for the Lord your God will be your confidence. The Lord your God will will be your confidence. He will keep your foot from being caught. <laughs> now you think about that for a second. Because my confidence is not in myself. My confidence is not in my ability to, to stop wicked people from harming me or my family. Now, used to, I, I would have told you I could do that. But as I get older, I'm coming to realize I don't have those abilities. Nor do I have the desire. 
My confidence can't be in me. Can't be in my ability to prevent natural disasters. I, I can't do that. Can't be in my ability, ability to be prepared for every possible scenario of a natural disaster that could come upon me. My confidence can't be in myself. My confidence can't be in wicked people, hoping that somehow they'll have a change of heart. And, and as a result, they're going to love me instead. That these people in the Middle East and now moving our way, some in America, that want to cut my head off, that somehow there's going to be a change of heart and all of a sudden they're really going to love me. Huh. If that's where my confidence is, it is a very faulty confidence. My confidence is not in my government. As much as I'm proud of our country and, and I'm, I'm excited to see where things are going, I, I do not place my confidence in my government. I do not place my confidence in them being able to somehow stop all wickedness from happening. I do not place my confidence in my government for them to be able to prevent natural disasters, these sudden things coming upon me, nor them being able to somehow satisfy my needs once that's taken place. Can't put my confidence there. But if my confidence is based in one that is far greater, that is far larger than my problems, and all of a sudden my confidence has a basis, a foundation upon which to stand. Back a few weeks ago, I read a quote by David Carr. Maybe you saw it because it was tweeted and retweeted and retweeted. It's, a, it's an incredible quote. And, and honestly, other than the fact that it presents the thought of how big God is, it really doesn't relate to our topic, but it's such a phenomenal statement. And since it does do that, I want to share it with you. He sent it out, I believe it was the day before the eclipse. And on that day, he said, the sun can burn your eyes out from 92 million miles away. And you think you're going to casually stroll into the presence of its creator. That just made me stop and think. The sun can burn your eyes out from 92 million miles away. And you somehow think you're just going to casually stroll into the presence of its creator. You know, the truth of the matter is that the Son does have a creator, and it's God. Sometimes we look at our world, we look at our problems, and we think, oh my goodness, these are so big. And yet the one that created our world is the one who created the Son. And, and interestingly enough, King David said, where can I go to escape your presence? If I go to the farthest corner of space, you're there. If I go to the deepest part of the ocean, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. There is nowhere I can go, I can go to escape your presence. That's really an incredible thought, isn't it? Because what we're talking about is the magnitude of God. That God who exists here also exists 92 million miles away at our sun. 
that exist in our universe also exist in other universes. God is so large that we can't even fathom the size of God. I remember reading in the Left Behind series, and I can't remember which particular book it was, but, but at the end of one, he was talking about coming, I think it was the Great White Throne. I, I can't remember, but he was talking about approaching the throne of God and how he was, he was like he was right there. God was so huge, it was like he was there in front of him, and yet he was still millions of miles away from God. The enormity of God. The truth is that God is so big that he looks upon our earth, and it must compare to him nothing more than a little blue marble. And he looks at the little marble and he sees the little specks of humanity running around on it, so afraid of these other little specks of humanity, so afraid of these little things that come into our lives. And yes, they come, they come. And in comparison to us, they're huge. We look at these problems, we can't overcome ISIS. I mean, how are we going to do that? How am I going to battle off guys who come here to kill me? How am I going to fight off people who come here to destroy my family? How am I going to accomplish that? And our problems seem so huge. And I can just picture God looking down at the little marble, looking down at us running around on the face of the marble. And saying, is that really what's worrying you? <laughs> Are you really afraid of, of those other little specks of humanity? This is where the promise comes in. Because God is telling us, you know what? Your confidence isn't in one that doesn't control what's happening. If it is, it's badly placed. But if your confidence is in me, God says, I'm controlling all of this. We have an incredible promise from God when he says that all things work together for good to those who love him. All things. Does that mean that no fearful situations will arise in our life? No, it doesn't. Does that mean that we'll never face problems? We'll never face uh, being wiped out by a tornado or having people in our families die? No, no, it doesn't. But what it means is that God who is in control is working in our situation He's working in our lives to bring about something that is far greater than we can imagine. He's working to bring about maturity and growth. And he's working to equip us to better serve him and those who are around us. So he says there's a big problem. It's fear. Paralyzes. It grips controls but the solution to take it away to take the bite out of fear is just to not be afraid 
And you can rest in that. And you can relieve the fear of your life simply by acknowledging that the foundation is that God is where our confidence is found. So let me ask you a question. What's bringing fear into your life today? What is it? You could put anything in this equation. And God is our confidence, the fear of problems in a relationship, the fear of financial disaster, the fear of health issues. All of these things can fit into the equation because God is our confidence. Doesn't alleviate the problem necessarily. He may. He may choose to do that. We can rest assured that we are not alone. That the God is who is far greater than our problems, far greater than our difficulties, far greater than our fears, is with us. Because he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. What an incredible promise. So with the fears in my life, the fears in your life, what do we do? I think a great place to start is just to surrender those to God. Say, God, here it is, man. You know me. You know how petrified I am of everything. Or you know how petrified I am of this one thing. But God, I've got confidence in you. I know that if something bad happens, you've got a reason for it. And while I may not like it, may not appreciate it I trust you in it God I trust you in it and I think the next step beyond that is one that you ought to be familiar with because we talk about it a lot and that is that you commit yourself to getting to know God better that you're going to make his word a priority in your life That you want to know about this God who is so enormous. This God who's made promises. You want to know more about Him. So that when these fears come, you can cling more tightly to the promises than you do what you can see with your eyes. And so today we just surrender ourselves to say, God, I want you to be the most valuable, most important, most prioritized one in my life.